This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Hello there, how you doing? It's uh, Kevin Riley here, and welcome to Irish Time here on the Man of Two People's Radio. It's uh, the last show of the year for me, and hopefully, I, hopefully I'll be back sometime in January, etc., etc., with the, late, uh, the latest sort of Irish news. Stuff I heard on the BBC early this morning about the Irish uh, peacekeepers in southern Lebanon were attacked. I think it was something after the football game or whatever. And uh, one died, one was shot dead, and another one is critically injured. And several others were, uh, you know, injured as well. So there was no rhyme nor reason to it. There just someone opened fire and one guy died. Uh, one soldier died and uh, one other guy was seriously, seriously injured. So we'll uh, say a prayer for them, the ones that survived. Anyway... You'll probably hear it on the news later, but that was the first thing this morning. Anyway, what I got here. We're talking about you know, really hot weather at the moment, even though it's cloudy, but it's incredibly warm. 35,000 tonnes of grit salt will be used during the cold spell. Really, really cold weather over in Ireland and the UK in general, and particularly Scotland, I would imagine. The cold spell will see one-third of the amount of uh, gritting salt normally used during a winter season, used in a single week. Transport Infrastructure in Ireland confirmed to uh, you know, the, the radio programme that 35,000 tonnes will be used nationally by local authorities to, uh, to de-ice the roads. In a normal year, 100,000 tonnes of salt are used for an entire season. During this current spell, we're projecting the use of approximately twenty-five to 35,000 tonnes as this is really, really severe weather. He added there is an eight-week supply of salt, uh, salt in storage. We currently have over 200,000 tonnes of it in stock. We're simply, uh, we're amply supplied, but as supplies get used, we can identify what areas we need to reapply our own network because it is uh, all over the country, this really, really nasty weather that they're you know, experiencing in uh, the Republic of Ireland and in Northern Ireland. And like I said, the whole of the UK in general, particularly parts of Scotland. Uh, patches of freezing fog will persist overnight into the morning, leading to hazardous driving conditions in some areas. A status yellow freezing warning has been in place since uh, midnight for Connaught, Cavan, Donegal, Monaghan, Longford, Louth, Meath, Offaly and West Meath which is due to be lifted uh, this morning, I think it was, or maybe last night, UK time. Uh, the UK Met Office has also issued ice and fog warnings in places for the six, uh, for both you know, all the six countries of Northern Ireland. Today's forecast sees freezing fog patches over the northern half of the country and frost and ice to persist throughout much of the day. I think it was uh, experienced the other day when I looked at the, the sort of the BBC news and it was something like respecting minus six at, in the evening to minus ten. I mean, it's really cold. Anyway, what else have we got here? Uh, this is, uh, I find this interesting more than anything else, actually. Should higher leaving cert uh, Irish be dropped as a requirement for primary teachers? 
In a statement issued by Labour's education spokesperson, uh, he suggested that removing Irish language requirements for would-be teachers should be considered. At present, for uh, primary teachers to enter teacher training college, it is required that they have passed Irish at the higher level in the Leaving Certificate. A former school principal said that given the huge challenges faced by the teacher shortage, it is time to consider changing course requirements for entry. The argument for the requirement is both that it increases the fluency of the Irish language among teachers and also acts as an incentive for people to take higher level in the, the Leaving Certificate. Opponents, however, argue that the requirement leads to less diversity of backgrounds among the teaching profession. But, uh, yeah, so I I never thought that there might have possibly here with the Maori language. But you never know. I had a a thing there on something like uh, 40% of the population uh, thought to keep it. uh, And only sort of, no, yeah, 48% said remove it was about 34% sent to keep it. So it's uh, on that back burner, as they say. And here's something I'm looking forward to when it ever arrives here. The Banshees of Inish Urn tops the Golden Globes. Nominations with eight nominations. Irish black comedy, The Banshees, has topped the Golden Globes nomination as a scandal-struck Hollywood award show attempts to rebuild its reputation following last year's boycott by A-listeners and the studios. The movie from Disney-owned Searchlight uh, Pictures picked up eight nods, including nominations for its star Colin Farrell, director Martin McDonough, and for Best Comedy Actor or Musical. Irish actor is Brendan Gleeson. He's brilliant. I really have a lot of time for him. He's a class act. Barry Conaghan and uh, I think that's uh, Carrie Conan also starred in the critically acclaimed film. Elsewhere, um, serial, sci-fi, everything goes all earned six nominations, while Hollywood, Golden Globe, uh, Babylon and Steven Spielberg's deeply personal Fable Mans took five. So good luck to the in the, the, the Banshees of Inish Owen. Inish, Inish Owen, sorry. I'm getting mixed up there with a Inish Owen there off the west coast of Ireland. And this is uh, something that got my attention. Intensive farming set to ramp up. Uh, this is in the south of Ireland. The pending approval of 36 intensive pig and poultry farms has alarmed environmental and animal rights activists. Good on them. This would add millions of animals uh, and, comp- and compound existing problems with manure and ammonia and animal welfare management. Almost all of Ireland's ammonia emissions come from animal, animal uh, agriculture and one of the key sources is manure. If approved, up to 12 million uh, more chickens and 55,000 more pigs would be industrially reared, producing a potential 53,000 cubic metres of uh, you know, waste annually. The equivalent of 97,000 people, almost the, the population of Ireland, you know, the waste that they would use. This is just scandalous, really, isn't it? The figures were compelled from public documents submitted by applicants to the, the authorities for public animal uh, animal estimates were calculated, multiplying the proposed increase by the number of flocks reared and slaughtered per year. Uh, data from Cornell University there in America was used. Uh, they were used to calculate the number of people to produce the equivalent in waste. Of the 36 applicants, 26 were for poultry and 10 for uh, pig units. More than half are located in Manhattan Cavan. Counties already struggling with excess manure. It's amazing why they want to do more. Uh, the application is still open to public objection. Good. 
uh, before they are possibly approved by the Environmental Protection Agency, who will look at the, the whole issue. Existing people in uh, poultry houses and new builds would house over 40,000 uh, poultry, 2,000 pigs and 750 cows, uh, size rather. And that would be just, you know, it is really just, it's just like, you know, eggs, the way they have chickens cooped up and they're just producing eggs. And it's kind of, it's not right. It's as simple as that. It's just not on. You know what I mean? It's what kind of, you know, your humanity and empathy just go out the door. There isn't any, actually, you know. All you're thinking of is the dollars. Uh, the detrimental impact that intensive farming can have on animal welfare is well documented with uh, a 2018 EU report finding a range of problems, while a separate study found that cutting piglets' tails off, yes, cutting piglets' tails off, a practice forbidden by EU roots, is routine in Ireland. Yet to get away with it. Poultry risks include overcrowding in sheds and cages and other bone problems, as well as skin damage from ammonia in the litter. This year, Ireland has also been hit by outbreaks of avian flu and parts of the UK as well, which can result in all, in all farmed birds, including those normally reared as free-range, being confined indoors due to the government advice to reduce its transmission. Uh, Caroline Rowley of the Ethnical Farming Ireland condemned the proposed increases. The vast majority of birds are reared indoors with the rise of avian flu uh, outbreaks. Even free-range birds can be found indoors. It would seem that getting the existing uh, law in change would be a wiser move than permitting more intensive uh, factories. Ireland's industrial farm sector has expanded rapidly on the back of controversial government plans to turn the island into a global meat and dairy supplier. Yeah, they've got problems that we have as well. In the last five years, numbers of uh, uh, EPA, that's a, the organisation, approved intensive farming and poultry uh, permits has grown by 34% to 340 as of December, this, this December. The country is now home to just over 1.6 million pigs, while over 70 million chickens are produced annually, along with 4 million turkeys and eggs are led by 2 million hens. One of Ireland's leading climate scientists, John Sweeney, a professor at Mammoth University, described the proposed increase in intensive pig and poultry production is especially concerning given that Ireland's ammonia emissions have been you know, out of order for a number of years and it's only going to increase. It's amazing how it got to that far when you think about it. You know, they've got all this evidence, scientific evidence in front of them, but somewhere along the line, they get through the power of money and influence. And something else I came across here, which I was interested in because I saw the, you know, murder in West Cork about this uh, French uh, writer who was murdered, and they've never actually caught the person that did it. They had one guy, Ian Bailey, I think he was named, uh, he was convicted in uh, France, but uh, the Republic of Ireland law authorities there wouldn't uh, send him over. You know, he couldn't be extradited for whatever reason. I don't know. So local guardian and detectives from the serious crime uh, re- review team are about to uh, give an update on the investigation into the murder of uh, Sophie uh, Palatwer. On June of this year, Guardian announced that a full cold case review into the murder of uh, the of the writer had commenced with the purpose of finding new routes of investigation. The review will be carried out by a group of specialist detectives from the Serious Crime Review Team, which is a unit inside the National Bureau of Criminal Investigation. 
the platter's son, Pierre, has welcomed the new review. He said that the investigation is just murders must come finally to justice. The plotter, a French television and uh, film producer, as well as an author, was brutally murdered uh, 26 years ago. Isn't that amazing? 26 years ago. Outside her home in the remote town of uh, Donard Cull, I think it is, which is just outside of two more. And, uh, yes, Skull, forgive me, in the village in West Cork. The 39-year-old mother of one had, a reg- had been a regular visitor where she purchased her holiday home three years prior to her murder. She lived there for a while to, you know, do her work, study, because it was a very isolated, remote and spectacularly beautiful part of the world. Despite multiple arrests the, in the intervening years, no one has ever been charged with her murder, and the failure to hold her killer to account has led to much controversy around the police so they should, I think they sort of, uh, slack has been too kind to them. The decision to reopen the case came after two arguments, one from Sky and one from Netflix, brought renewed attention to the case. Ian Bailey, the man I was talking about earlier, British journalist who was living in Skull with his then partner, Jules Thomas, at the time of the murder, has always been the major focus of the investigation. He has consistently denied any involvement in her murder. Bailey was charged with uh, her murder by a French court in 2019, but the Irish High Court refused to extradite him uh, where a warrant is out for his arrest. No reason was given. In Ireland, he was arrested by investigating Gardaí and released both times without charge. When, fly, when files had been sent to the Director of Public Prosecutions, I have always decided that there was insufficient evidence to justify a prosecution without having a look at what the, the French authority, legal authorities had come up with. In 2002, the Department of Public uh, Prosecution, Robert Sheehan, produced a scathing 44 report on the Guardi's evidence in their case against Bailey. According to Sheehan's analysts, a lack of forensic evidence, the handling of specific witnesses, and holes in the links between Bailey and uh, the, the, the plotter herself, all hampered the case. It later emerged that key evidence was misplaced by the uh, by the police, by the guardie, including the metal gate. The uh, metal gate. The platter's body was found near. Yes, it is. Hopefully, they will come up with someone because this this woman just lived on her own. Like I said, in a very remote, beautiful part in the you know West Cork, and this guy Bailey. Was, the evidence against him was kind of probably overwhelming. You know, from what I've read, but that's. You know, you know, you're only going by what you read, as they say. And now that we get to some more, this year, paramilitaries, this is in the north of Ireland, uh, loan sharks targeting the food banks, and all the, you know, the IRA, the UDA, and all the sort of paramilitaries have sort of uh, gone into you know, recess, as it were, but they've taken up, you know, what they were good at, gangsters, you know, robbing and killing people. Right, so the, what have we got here? Johnny Curry, the head of the Trustwell Trust in Northern Ireland, said that certainly something that food banks and network have been reported back to us. Folks that are referred to them have uh, they are being uh, part of an illegal system. They've just been going in there and sort of gangsters and threatening, blackmailing, etc., etc. There are illegal moneylenders, criminal gangs, paramilitary organisations, uh, whatever you want to call them, in these local communities, and they're preying on ordinary people. And this is kind of working class areas of. Uh, Northern Ireland, particularly in Belfast. Mr. Curry said uh, more people were turning to the illegal money lenders for small loans to cover basic essentials. 
uh, including weekly top-ups and groceries. This is the cost of living, what's going on over there. The same is here, but we aren't alone. But you, when you read the news or listen to the news here, you think it was only New Zealand that had these serious problems. But over there, they're just turning to, you know, these gangsters to try and get money to pay the power bills, etc., etc. And then they're struggling to pay that back, you know. Uh, yeah, it could be 50 quid or it could be 100 pounds. So small, so small amounts of money that are really part of what your essential weekly uh, bill is. The man who spoke to Spotlight, that's a television program, said he had turned to a local food bank after he had lost his job and his benefits was cut. He spoke anonymously for fear of uh, personal, for his own personal safety. I got the knock on the door and there's two young men telling me things that they shouldn't, um, shouldn't have been able to tell me. They knew I needed money, they knew I was struggling, and they knew when I got paid my universal credits. That's like the dole. Uh, they knew the dates of when I got paid. You could say that they, they, they came to say to help me out. The man recognised one of the loan sharks. He said he had seen him sitting in a car opposite the food bank as he and others queued up to get help. So we're actually sitting there spying on them and no doubt following them. It's just pretty well scandalous, isn't it? And uh, what else have I got here? I've got enough from the DUP. I think that you know the Democratic Unionist Party who just uh, stalled any sort of government in the North of Ireland for, since February, I believe, this year, are uh, you know still on track to just make life a lot more difficult for ordinary people. You know, the average uh, person in Northern Ireland, and they just do it because of their sheer bloody arrogance. And, you know, they, they kind of claim it's not, we're going to be not part of the UK. But the United Kingdom at present is in serious, serious trouble with, the, you know, the, the three prime ministers this year. And they've had uh, inflation that's hit all-time records. And this morning there was over uh, 10, I didn't say, tens and tens of thousands of nurses have gone on strike for the first time in 102 years in the UK. 102 years, universal strike with nurses. No doubt they have one or two will be, you know, emergencies be in the hospital just to make, you know, maintain some sort of service. But isn't it scandalous? Everybody's on strike. You know, truck drivers, postmen, the whole shebang. And it's not a happy place to be at the moment. And then they have this atrocious weather as well. And then what do we get out of this guy? Uh, the DEP will not be bullied or cajoled into restoring Stormont. Units will not be bullied or cajoled into returning the power sharing uh, according to their leader, Jeffrey Donaldson. In a letter sent to Chris Heaton Harris, uh, seen by the, the newspaper, Donaldson said the UK government should not be expanding energy, uh, expanding energy targeting the, the DUP and ought to instead to work towards a solution on the Northern Ireland Protocol that both unionists and nationalists can support. They all supported the only ones that aren't are basically the Democratic Unionist Party. All a number of other unionist parties are quite might be overjoyed about it, but they can see the uh, you know the sense in it and that the damage it's causing to their uh, constituents. The letter was sent to the Secretary of State during Friday and was later shared with the EUP party members. I don't understand why the party members don't sort of you know, get up on arms and sort of, you know, let's get rid of this guy. I mean, that's what happened to the, the party members in the Conservative Party. They got rid of Boris Johnson. So I think they could basically do the same here. Anyway, that's basically it for me for a, another year, believe it or not. So I will be in touch in January. So until then, take care, okay? Drive safely, be kind to one another, and just 
enjoy the season. It's a difficult time. Christmas, I, mean, I think it's a wonderful time for most people, but it's also a lot of pressure and a lot of stress going to people. You know, they feel like they have to buy this, they have to buy that, et cetera, et cetera. And people end up in a load of debt, some serious, uh, you know, trouble when uh, January sort of starts kicking in and the bills start to roll in. People find themselves in a wee bit of financial trouble, and I mean a lot of people. And it's above all classes of people. People just overspend because of the pressure it's put on by the, the market. You know, you must have this, you must have that. So just be strong and just buy what you need, not what they want you to buy. Okay? So have a happy Christmas and a Merry Christmas. Be kind to one another and a happy new year. Enjoy the beginning of the, the 19, of, of 2023. Okay? Bye. If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.npr.nz forward slash donate.